Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Tyler Crash Clang, uh, and... I've got to ask. I usually start with a with a question for you, Scott. Okay, what's the question? Um, do you remember our earlier episode we did pretty recently about why cars look boring? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure we did. Yeah. I've been thinking about that for a while because there was so much to the world of auto design mm-hmm. that we didn't i didn't really consider until we started delving into that episode oh that's both of us buddy we didn't realize that uh you know real estate was at such a premium in an automobile right i mean <laughs> right. every little inch is is uh is is pondered over for a long long time i mean it, it really gets down to uh you know a game of millimeters inside the car you know mm-hmm. what can fit what can't fit outside outside is really no different um they're continually stripping away things on the outside of a car i mean that may be part of it you know you know one thing when we were digging into today's topic, and we'll, we'll jump into this in just a moment, but um, I was thinking, you know, we get a lot of email from people that say, you know, why are, you know, not only is why are they boring, why are they boring looking? Why do all cars kind of look the same now? You know, why do they have that, that same shape? Why do they all look, you know, so um, kind of plain, right? I right. Mean, new cars kind of plain. I mean, there's a few standouts among them, you know, every year there's something that stands out, but um, for the most part, they do have the same general shape, and there's there's some very good reasons for that, and uh, and some of that comes down to, believe it or not, pedestrian safety, the exterior design of the car, the interior design of the car, the 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 dimensions of the car, the I mean everything. A lot of this comes down to pedestrian safety. It's really surprising, right? And this could be considered a sequel uh, if you have checked out our uh, previous episode, which I think we just released about the history of jaywalking. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, It deals with pedestrians in the road when they're not supposed to be in the road. In a very, very strange marketing war. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's an interesting, fascinating piece of history. And you're absolutely right, Scott. It continues today when automotive designers do their 
their first sketches. I don't know if you, you've probably seen quite a few of these. I love looking at the initial sketches. Oh yeah, and then what actually rolls off the line. Oh well, you know what? The sketches are beautiful, right? Oh I mean, yeah, just gorgeous sketches, and, and even the concept cars that they build for the shows are beautiful in a lot of cases, right? I mean, they they uh, they come out and they show you this this sleek, you know, just incredible looking machine that uh, you just you're, you're practically drooling to get behind the wheel. You're ready for it, right? You want to buy this car. But then when it arrives in the showroom, you know, a year and a half later, a year later, it's not the same car that you saw on the uh, on the show floor. What what happened? There's there's something that happens in between. Right. Yeah. And what we have what we have found is that there is more to this story than you might imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is kind of crazy, but I, I had a hard time believing this number. This is a really high number. All right. So. One factor that helps to determine the shape of cars, which a lot of – I guess it's fair to say that Americans are less aware of this than a lot of the rest of the world. And right. we'll describe why that is, but it's it's true. Um, and that, that's not everybody, of course. But each year, over 270,000 cars slam into pedestrians and kill them every single year somewhere in the United – or not in the United States, in the world. 270,000? Doesn't that sound like – that's that's an incredible number. That That's – um. 740 per day if you break that down to 365 days. So that's 740 somewhere in the world every day all year long. And so to combat this, in the first decade of the 2000s, governments in Asia and Europe began passing laws requiring auto manufacturers to design cars with the explicit purpose of increasing the survival rate for a pedestrian, yeah, for a struck pedestrian, they wanted them to uh, have a better chance, I guess, you know, and and to investigate why it is that you know so many of these pedestrians are are, are dying even at low speeds. Because if you think about this, and we'll talk about this several times as we go through here, but um, cars and pedestrians are often in the same. Uh, they share the same space in big cities. In small cities, big cities, you know, the, 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 it goes back to what we were talking about, Ben, crossing at the crosswalks on our previous yeah. episode. Uh, but, but a lot of these, um, these collisions that are happening between pedestrians and cars are relatively slow accidents. They're not, they're not necessarily, you know, traveling at 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. We're talking about people getting hit, you know, between 10 and 40 miles per hour, maybe at the most. 40 would be a, a top speed accident in a big city. And you can see some chilling simulations entirely based on the math and the physics of the event. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how common it is, but I've been hit by a car before. Really? Yeah, and it was at a low speed, thank goodness. So oh, I guess so. Yeah, you're still around to talk about it. Well, I wasn't, what, what do, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was walking through a parking lot. Oh. And somebody zipped around a corner in the parking lot and popped me. Where'd you get hit? In the back of the legs or the uh, side? I got or? hit on my right side. Oh, okay. And um, oh gosh, Ben, I so had no idea this happened. Put me, put me in a spin, and then I'm like face up, uh, looking at the looking at the sky. You know? Yeah, you're on the ground, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, it knocked me on the ground, uh-huh. and the person drove away. No, yes. really? Yeah. Uh, any was, broken bones? No, no. It was pretty low impact. Yeah, I guess so. But so they left. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they wow. zipped. Oh, my gosh. Right? Maybe I wasn't the first person they hit in that parking lot. Well, we're going to talk about this more later, that's for sure, because I, I'm, I was looking at these uh, these simulations, you know, the, the ones that you're talking about. Um, mm. it, they can do these with, you know, different weight models, and I don't know why they chose this car, this video that we've been looking at, I guess. Right. This car that looks like a Saturn. I think they're using a Saturn. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure, wh- sure why that was chosen as the vehicle, but it has a relatively low hood line. Um, but they showed different, uh, different accident scenarios between 10 miles per hour and 40 miles per hour. And I'll tell you that, you know, 10 miles per hour, it, it still looks pretty severe. I mean, you get, you get struck the, uh, here, here's what happens to the, uh, yeah. the pedestrian. Um, and it shows this pretty graphically, I guess. They get struck in the, yeah, they, the head, Hits the uh, hits the hood of the car, mm-hmm. and uh, the person kind of just flops down right in front of the car, in front of the bumper, uh, ends up in a sit, you know sitting position right. in front of the car. But they're not really thrown any distance by this accident, you know, ten miles per hour. But that changes dramatically as you go up to twenty miles per hour. Uh, the per, you know the pedestrian gets struck, and they go up to the windshield. Yeah, the the head hits, hits the hood and the windshield. And then they do kind of like this half flip in the air and then land upside down on their head on the concrete, you know, several feet away at this point. And then when you go up to 30 miles an hour, and this is, there's only two more here, but 30 miles an hour, again, same thing happens, you know, the, the head strikes the windshield. The person does a full flip in the, in the air. It's almost like a cartwheel that happens. And then they land on their back and they've flown a long way at this point. I mean, a long way away from the car. It looks like uh, several meters, I guess, is how they've got it measured out here, um, on the, on the graph that they've got. Um, at 40 miles an hour. I don't know. I, looking at this simulation, yeah. I don't know how a, a pedestrian gets struck at 40 miles per hour and survives. And it's that, it's that horrific. It's that, uh, it's that violent of an action. So they're struck. They do two and a half flips in the air above the windshield of the car as the car is traveling, trying to slow down and stop. And then they, at this point, they've flown a long, long way. And the impact on the ground is extremely severe, as you can imagine. Uh, not only is the car skidding to a stop, but the body is sliding to a stop as well. It's a very violent uh, thing, violent action that happens at 40 miles an hour. And, you know, when you're in your car, 40 miles an hour doesn't really feel like you're going that fast. I mean, it feels like a slow speed, doesn't it? Right. But the impact on someone who is not encased in a shell of fiberglass and metal well, is yeah, exactly. much different. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, humans are soft, right? Cars yeah. are cars are pretty hard, if you want right. to put it that way. But the, the thing is that there are two phases of a pedestrian car accident, and there's a couple things we'll tell you about the different phases. The, uh, one, the first phase is the you know the impact itself. The you know the the the, uh, the pedestrian hits the car. Yeah, the Saturn pops you on the. Uh, Pops you on the uh, the legs, the shins, or or your side, as you say, yeah. (laughs) And then uh, you hit the hood of the car or the windshield of the car, and then and then the second phase is when you impact the ground. You know, it's it's the um, impact that the the pedestrian makes several feet later. You know, whether they're thrown from the from the vehicle because in in, you know after about twenty miles per hour, uh, the pedestrian, the human, is thrown a long distance. And, and you go up to 40 miles an hour, it's a really long distance. Right. And my thing was probably more like under under 10 miles. Yeah. Now, now, I mean, that's really severe. So you think that's uh, under 10? I think I think so, because okay. I was just bruised up, but I didn't break anything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Man, this is, this is all new to me. I'm, I'm just surprised. I don't know I, why. I, I live in, I, I live a colorful life. It seems like something that would have come up before, you know, 10 years. You know, we've been talking for 10 years. I didn't know this. There's a Jeep Cherokee. I was working at a bookstore in Atlanta, Georgia during college. Okay. All right. So long before you worked here at How Stuff Works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, Anyhow. Right. Again, more later on this. But, uh, yeah. All right. But here's the interesting part, Ben. Mm. You, you would think that, you know, getting thrown such a, a long distance and, and landing in a heap, you know, somewhere down the road would be the worst part of this whole thing, right? Right. That's not necessarily the case because in 80% of these, of these situations, 
the deaths came from the very first phase of that impact, the, the contact with the car. Right. And let's let's parse that into that initial impact into uh, initial impact A and initial impact B. Mm-hmm. Initial impact A is going to be when the bumper hits the legs. Mm-hmm. That's not what makes it fatal. No. I mean you can live with a broken leg. Mm-hmm. But what did 80% of the people in was when they slammed their head into the hood of the car. Yeah, or so, the windshield, right? Right. So you get that you get that uh, mechanical shin kick and your feet are knocked from under you and then boom, the most, one of the most sensitive parts of your body uh, has a – I almost said head-on collision. Oh, yeah. But, but it, does, it does collide with the hood. And so this is what automakers started to focus on. Yeah, and you know, might wonder – why legislation? Why is that even necessary, right, at this mm-hmm. point? Why, why can't it just kind of be something that the automakers naturally do? But uh, we'll talk about that after the first word from our sponsor. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. 
Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash stereo right now. netsuite.com slash stereo. netsuite.com slash stereo. So we were going to talk about legislation at this point, right, Ben? Right. All right. So so why do you think – I, I think I might have an answer for this. Why, why do you think that legislation for uh, something like this might be necessary? Ah, I think I have an answer. Okay. At least a guess, a pretty basic guess. All right. Uh, wouldn't it be because auto design is already so internally – competitive mm-hmm. for real estate in an organization mm-hmm. uh, that this sort of consideration would have to be a forced priority by an outside entity. Ah, okay. That's, that's kind of along the lines of what I'm talking about. I think I have a different slant on this, a different okay. angle on this whole thing. So my, my thought is that um, – and it's not my own thought. I've read this somewhere and I don't remember where it came from, but uh, it, it seemed to strike a chord with me. And this is a, from some different source, you know, some somewhere else. Um, my My thought is that – if and I'll try to try to put this in a, a succinct way here, but it's hard enough to get people to pay extra for a safety device in the car that saves their own life or the life of a passenger. Like let's say that you can oh, buy you can wow. buy a package with extra airbags. Yeah, you think you you know people would do that because that might prevent you know a death in the near future of them or one of their family members, right? Mm-hmm. But it's extra money. If if we start try start um, adapting cars in the way we're talking about, you know, to to create pedestrian safety. Um, devices on cars, you know, on the outside of cars for people that we don't even know really. You don't know that pedestrian that you're going to strike. You don't know who you're going to hit. Right. Are people that are buying the car going to pay extra for pedestrian safety features for someone they don't even know when they won't even buy extra airbags for themselves in the car sometimes? Or wow. not just airbags, but, you know, seat anchors or whatever, you know, whatever the safety device might be. It's, it's just a, a thought. And I, I, again, I read that somewhere else. It's not my own original thought, but I thought that's that may be the answer there. That's why um, external safety devices, not not necessarily the internal stuff, but the external stuff, might have to be legislated into action. Otherwise, uh, it's it's probably never going to happen because people just aren't going to pay the extra for someone they don't know mm-hmm. to survive a potential crash years from now that you know they don't even know if they're going to be in or not. Yeah, it's kind of like the idea of. Opting out versus opting in with organ donation. Yeah. Do you remember when they changed that? Mm-hmm. You I used do. to have to opt in mm-hmm. and then they, uh, several places changed it, at least here in the States, so that people had to opt out. Yeah, because it's easier to do it that way. They get more donors that way. And you get a discount. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, yeah. I, I know that's a very cynical way to look at it, but I mean, I don't think I it's think, wrong. I, I think that this, in this case, and I'm not really one for, for lots of legislation, obviously. I, I like, uh, the market to determine what happens, but I think that, um, in this case, I do think that legislation, if if, we're, if this has to go, if it, if it has to pass, I think the only way it's going to pass is through, you know, this happening, uh, you know, from an outside force making this happen. So let's look at the nuts and bolts of this as well, what actually happens. So if you've seen a lot of the recent, God, the past few decades of cars, you know, uh, the, the sheet metal that's on most car hoods is going to be kind of soft. You know, you can push in. It's got give. So yeah. you can dent it. Pretty pretty flimsy. Pretty flimsy. Yeah. So you would think, well, Scott, Ben, why does – how do people die from that impact? Because, you know, 20 miles an hour sounds like it could break a leg, but it doesn't sound like it could lead to a fatal head injury. The problem is not – 
that soft-ish sheet metal over the hood. The problem's what lurks under the hood, sort of like that shark in Jaws. Yeah, there's a big engine under there. And that is not soft. No, that's not moving anywhere. And in fact, it's not just the engine. There's also, uh, you know, a motor for the windshield wipers. There's, right. uh, there's all kinds of stuff that's underneath there that, uh, is, is hard. I mean, the battery's underneath there too. And unless automakers design a, uh, a cushion area, you know, like a, um, a gap, I guess, a, a, a def- an area that it can deform, uh, without striking that, you know, someplace to slow down that motion, um, a crumple zone, I guess. That's really what it is. It's a very narrow crumple zone uh, for a pedestrian head to hit the hood. Um, if they don't design that, you know, and there's just the engine right immediately underneath there, there's going to be trouble. Right. So that's why we see automakers making specific design decisions. And there's a cool article on Car and Driver about this, too, uh, where in they they mentioned the the trend toward building higher hoods and taller noses because just that little bit of air over the engine uh, changes everything regarding the shape of the car. Yeah, and we can walk this through from the front bumper to the back end if you like. I mean, oh, totally. Because that one change, I mean, we just said what it was, right? And we we're just trying to add – I think in this case they said that there's a minimum of about 20 millimeters of clearance that's required between the underside of the hood and the highest part of the engine. So about 0.8 inches. Yeah, right. So we're talking very, very slight you know, increase in size here. It's not really that much, but – what that does to the design of the car is, is amazing. I mean, it starts right at the very front bumper. I mean, of course, you're going to have a uh, a more upright front end, I guess, on it you know, to begin with. It's going to have to be higher up. It's not going to be, um, you know, the uh, the super low, sleek lines of uh, – <laughs> I'm going to have a bad example here. Like think about like a, an IROC Camaro or something like that. Think about how low and, and kind of – Flat and lean that front end was. It was uh, it was pointed. It was it was very low down. Right. It's not that way anymore. If you look at sedans and cars and even even sports cars to some degree, they have more of an upright front end than they did in the past. Yes. And and it doesn't. You know, it's not just the the uh, the front of the hood that has to come up a little bit. You know, it's the entire hood. And and you know, if you want to keep the design of the car true to the way that the as we said earlier, the way that the designers sketched it originally, you also have to raise the back in order to keep that look exactly the same. Otherwise, the angles all change and everything looks goofy. Right. So the entire cowl has to be raised by a similar amount or maybe a little more if the designers want a wedge shape look. Yeah. And Uh, when the cowl comes up, what else comes up? Yeah. This moves the windshield base and makes the dash higher. Yeah. The dash has to come up too. And because the dash is higher, that means that the front seats have to be raised accordingly. You know, just while we're going on this, I want to tell you you remember that children's book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie? I don't think I do. Oh, well, it's about how if you do one thing for this mouse in the book, then you have to do these other things as oh, well. Okay. So we're seeing this domino effect. If you move the dash higher, mm-hmm. what what do you have to move after that? <laughs> if you do – okay, so you have to move the – you have to raise the seats, right? Yeah. So the seats come up. And then once you raise the seats up, that means that the roof of the car has to be moved up as well. So you can see that this is just growing exponentially, right? I mean, it started with that one little uh, eight-tenths of an inch at the front end of the car, and now suddenly you're raising the seats in the hood of the – I mean, the roof of the car. Right. And now that the roof is higher, the the base of the side windows has to be lifted to keep the car from looking, you know, stupid. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. So the belt line, right? Yeah. The belt line has to come up. And, you know, the higher belt line means that above the rear ar- wheel arches, it means there's going to be more sheet metal back there. So that means that what that does is that throws off the proportion of the um, uh, the wheel-to-body ratio that the original sketch had. And I know it sounds minor, but what it would mean was that your, your tires would look little tiny on the vehicle compared to uh, the way that the initial sketch looked, right? It looked it right. probably had really cool-looking proportions and everything looked mm-hmm. just right. So from this, you know, eight tenths of an inch at the front, you know, just over the over the hood, the twenty millimeters, you know, that we raised the hood, all of that stuff, even some interior components have to be changed around, all the way back to the the rear wheel arches, and and to fill those rear wheel arches, which now look like they've got tiny little tires in them. Sure, they've had to add larger tires. They've had. They, that's why we've shifted in a lot of cases. It's not it's not every reason, but. Let's say that, like on the BMWs, they've gone from you know having eighteen inch wheels. They've gone up to nineteen or even twenty inch wheels now, because it seems to fit the wheel uh, opening a lot better than it did, you know, prior to when these these regulations were in place. So, again, this is all starting from just having to have a little bit of clearance between the hood of the car and the engine of the car, mm-hmm. just for pedestrian safety. So, pedestrian safety, in a way, is making you have <laughs> making you. It's 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 uh creating a need for larger wheels on cars. Believe, yeah. that, believe that or not. I mean, it, it's that ripple effect, right? It ripples all the way to the back end of the car. And this is not a conspiracy theory. I mean, picture Scott and I in front of one of those uh, cold case walls where we have all these newspaper clippings and red string. <laughs> I like those. Yeah, I love those yeah, things. Yeah. We have one here in the office, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we have one for uh, stuff they don't want you to know. Yeah. And I used to have one at my house. but uh, A real one. Different shows. Was, was I on that wall? <laughs> of course, <laughs> I'm on to you, man. Uh, right. But isn't it isn't it strange? I mean, it that, is. this this effect goes right from the very front bumper all the way to the back, and again, it's all over just a, a tiny little thing, a 20 millimeter change in the front end. But it all comes down to, and I know you could you could adjust this so that you know. Well, just make the hood higher and uh, raise the seats a little bit, and that's good enough. You don't have to do all that other stuff. But if you want to keep the attractive proportions that the designer initially intended for that automobile, yeah, then that's what you have to do. You have to make all those changes. So, um, it's you know, auto design is terribly complex. We've learned that uh, over the years, but especially in the last year or so, we've been talking about some things that just blow your mind as Real far as like, openers. Like, yeah, it really is like exactly what goes into it. It's very difficult. And this is this is just one example, but we'd like to show you uh, another example after a word from our sponsor. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. So in addition to this issue of having uh, even just a little bit extra air between the the intake manifold and the hood, uh, we have another issue, which is that a lot of cars have shorter hoods Mm -hmm. nowadays, right? Yeah, Yeah, sure. And some of that comes from the idea of decreasing a car's footprint so it's easier to drive and park in densely populated areas. Sure, city cars. City cars, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. Like think of the Honda Fit. That's got a tiny little hood right. on it, right? And the, the diff- distance between the front bumper and the start of the windshield, the base of the windshield, right. very short distance. Incredibly so. Yeah. Especially, you know, I drive Monte Carlos. So, well, yeah, right. you got a long, big hood on that. So, yeah, you could so take a road trip on that hood. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you could, yeah. But, but with a shorter hood we see a different kind of problem when there's a taller pedestrian. Yeah, think about this. What if it, what if someone, you know, six and a half footer, you know, is walking in front of a Honda Fit mm-hmm. and uh, they're struck in the legs or the shin, I guess, by that vehicle. Uh, where do you think that their head is going to end up? It's not on the hood of that tiny little car. Right. Their head's going to end up in the middle of the windshield or possibly on the A-pillar. Which and, uh, could that's, be a fatality. That is really bad when that happens. And, and that's not all that infrequent because, I mean, think about where the A-pillars are positioned. They're at the edge of the car. It's mm-hmm. It's not... All that often. I mean, you know what? I can't even say for sure, but doesn't it seem that when a pedestrian's hit, a lot of times it's the the edge of the car that gets them. It's like they just either they either just got hit or they just missed being right. Uh, you know, just missed by by just a, a fraction. But it seems like they're at one corner or the other of the car. Typically, it seems. Yeah, a lot I of think times. So. It's not. It's usually not right dead center. No, it feels like it's usually going to be kind of a side swipe. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the driver's going to try to uh, to swing the wheel and you know avert that accident, and uh, you know li- likely a lot of times you end up clipping the the uh, the pedestrian inadvertently. But um, anyways, we're getting off the track here, but that could be a fatality, as you said. I mean, that's a serious situation, but you can't make 
one car, one one car safer for everybody. I mean, it, it could be dangerous to children. It could be dangerous to, um, you know, the average percentile person that's sure. out there walking around. Um, it could be safer for taller people. You know, you just have to determine um, kind of what this, the, the median is, I guess. And that's probably how they do it. They just decide that, you know, here's our average that we're going to shoot for that. You're absolutely right. There is a balance in the calculation and you can't knowingly sacrifice the driver or passengers of a car for hypothetical pedestrians. No, see, that's the thing. You can't make the A-pillars any softer because those are there for rollover. You can't make the windshield any softer because they're there for, uh, you know, well, I guess anything that might come up from the roadway during, you know, well, and wind blockage, you know, that kind of a thing. But, but I mean, they're supposed to protect the the occupants of the car if a, a rock were to fly up or, you know, anything like that, something, some debris on the road. Um, so I, I guess the, um, there is an option. There's a solution but it's something again that, that people would have to pay extra for, and there is one company that's doing it. They've already they've already done this. Hmm. It's Volvo, of course. Of Volvo. course, <laughs> yeah. There are other companies that are kind of in in the water, I guess, with them on this. But Volvo's renowned as, of course, the the vanguard of safety. Yeah, and they've jumped in, you know, feet first. They're they're really going all in on this, and this has been for a while. They've done this on one of their uh, one of their cars. I want to say that it's the. Um, Oh shoot! It's the uh, the V forty, I think, is the one. And they've created something called a pedestrian airbag, and I know other companies have kind of toyed around with this idea, but this oh, one's yeah. in this one's in production, and it has been for a while. Now the V forty um, airbag, and it's it's essentially it's a, it's a car really that's I guess made for um, city driving, really. I mean, if you want to want to think of it that way, because you know. A city traffic because that's where cars and people share the same space. It makes perfect sense that it would be on this vehicle. The way that it happens is that there's a um, a, a bunch of sensors on the front bumper, and when they strike something that they determine to be a uh, a human like leg, <laughs> which I know it's it's funny to say it that way, but that's how they had to test it. Right? They had to right. hit something that had a certain um, give to it, a certain flexibility to it, and it determined these sensor sensors actually determine that they've hit. A human leg versus like a, a you know a parking uh, pole or you know whatever you want to call it like right the, right the cement and, poles. and that's really important because we have to keep in mind this is an airbag so you can't just like roll it up and tuck it back down yeah I mean it, you have to you know determine that because if you bump something in a parking lot you don't want this this airbag to deploy right right because that can be extremely costly because there's another action that happens with it uh, when uh, you know that uh, that that front bumper bumper sensor senses this leg contact. Um, it raises the back. There's an explosive charge that raises the back end of the hood, or the I, I guess the trailing edge of the edge of the hood, right by up, the cowl. Yeah, yeah, up a certain certain amount. I don't know if it's a couple inches or whatever it mm-hmm. is, but it allows the airbag then a U-shaped bag to unfurl that protects the um, the pedestrian that was struck from contacting the windshield and the A-pillar. Right on yeah. both sides. So it's a great big U-shape um, inflatable bag and. Um, you can imagine that if you know if that thing went off unexpectedly, you know when you're you, you bump a, a tree, you're parking somewhere at like sure. some festival or something, you yeah. bump a tree and it goes off, that would be a drag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you hit a pedestrian, you for sure want that thing to go off because it'll protect them and hopefully protect you against some future lawsuit, maybe. And it's a pretty smart design. Other other automakers are taking a cue from Volvo as per normal. Yeah, and uh, places like Jaguar, Lexus, uh, and so on have. Similar systems, and they're all 
they're all using charges to raise a hood in a crash. Mm-hmm. But I think at this point, Volvo is the only one with an airbag. Yeah, I think they are too. Um, and they've been doing that for a while, again, on that V40. And they might even have it on another vehicle. I'm not exactly sure right now. But you know what the best solution to this would be uh, overall? What's that? Is if there never were any pedestrian accidents to begin with. Yeah, and, agreed. And that's kind of... The hope is is with you know some of these autonomous vehicles is that mm-hmm. that may be taken out of the picture altogether. Now I don't I don't have a whole lot of confidence that it will completely be removed. I mean, I don't think you can ever say that. I don't think so. Just because even in even in a smart city or whatever, several years from now, a place a place where all vehicles are autonomous mm-hmm. and all traffic lines are are clearly delineated things will still go wrong there's no there's no way to prepare for an unknown unknown no but even even the man systems you know the ones that uh you know like newer cars that have full stop systems you know for with pedestrian sensing technology right uh, those are great i mean i'm sure that those are saving lives i'm positive of it and and you know they watch out for cyclists they watch out for um other things as well it's not just it's you know dogs and cats and whatever that's in the in the way i'm sure that that those things are saving lives at this point okay it has to be. I agree, but hear me out on this. Not to be too pessimistic, I believe there are still problems with that. You're right, of course, Scott, that everybody realizes it would be better if pedestrians were just never hit in the first place. Volvo gets that as well. They've got this thing called city safety technology, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's doing exactly what you're describing. It uses sensors to detect pedestrians, cyclists, what have you, a guy with a hot dog cart, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, you never know. And automatically slams the brakes if these uh, if these pedestrians or cyclists are stepping or swerving in front of you. That's great. That is great. And hopefully it does save lives. Yeah. But hopefully it doesn't do it at the expense of the lives of the people in the car with that technology because if your car slams on the brakes and someone else is right behind you and they're doing, you know, 60 or 50 or something, this would have to be like um, somebody on the interstate. Okay. Uh, like a pedestrian on the interstate oh, running out. All right. Which is really dangerous and happens more often than you might think. Yeah. Deer collision? A deer collision. Mm-hmm. That's another great example. Sure, yeah. So – then what happens is, sure, the Volvo is full stop, but now it's being slammed at like 50 miles an hour yeah. from the rear. Well, right? the answer is everybody has to drive a Volvo with full stop. That's the answer. That's, you know, you're joking, <laughs> but that's usually the answer autonomous car buffs give. Well, you know what they do? They say that if everybody's driving this, there's going to be no problem at all, right? That's that's always the situation. If you if you mix it up, though, if you've got, you know, autonomous vehicles and, and the human element involved as well, uh, there's going to be some problems. There's, there's going to be some inherent issues with that. Now, one thing that we haven't mentioned here uh, along the way, and you know what? I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm probably not going to get to one of the uh, – one thing that I wanted to mention here, and I bet people are, are wanting to hear about this, I would guess. Hmm. Um, we're talking about the external design of cars and how you know they've kind of been smoothed out for safety, right? You know, softened yeah. up and and shaped in different ways for for pedestrian safety. We haven't talked yet about uh, you know the complete loss of hood ornaments on cars. Why? Oh, that's right. I mean, they're almost completely gone, and the ones that still are out there sometimes even retract. Yeah, they have technology. Some have technology in them that prevent 
damage to pedestrians when they're when they're struck, and others have uh, just real simple mechanical things built into them. There are still hood ornaments out there, yeah. but there are very few cars that have it, and it's te- they tend to be lu- high end luxury vehicles, like a Rolls or something. Yeah, or the Mac pick, the Mac truck has that as well. You know, the, uh-huh. the great big uh, you know blue collar uh, you know um, dump trucks and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you yeah. know, the semis, but. Um, I wish we could get to that. I've got I've got a bunch of hood, hood ornament stuff, and you know, like when they kind of went away, and what happened to them, and how they uh, kind of made they kind of slipped from the the top of the hood standing up to down on the hood laying down, and then down onto the grill. So like they've kind of like made this slump down the vehicle. Um, it, anyways, it's it's a whole part of brand recognition that we're not going to really get to. But all right, one thing that we need to cover here before we wrap this whole thing up is is about a group that we haven't really talked about here, and that is the American auto manufacturers. Uh, we've been primarily talking about European manufacturers, Asian manufacturers, and uh, and they have been pushed. You know, they've been um, uh, they've been made to come about with this. You know, they've been made to. Uh, uh, I guess it's probably not the best way to say it. They've been uh, made to care about this, right? Right. Uh, they, they they've didn't, been incentivized. Yeah, they've been incentivized to uh, to care about pedestrian safety. Of course, they want to care about pedestrian safety. Of course, but um, they've been. Uh, pushed into that by agencies, by by national agencies, and mm-hmm. we here in the United States have not. We've kind of followed suit with a lot of some of the stuff. You know, we've, uh, as we mentioned, you know, lost the hood, or, hood ornaments and that kind of stuff, but and made hoods a little bit softer and you know flexible that kind of thing. Um, but really, I mean, we haven't been pushed to the same pedestrian safety design features or standards that the European, you know, Japan, uh, Japan markets. You know, again, all of the Asian markets sure. have been pushed into, and America's. Um, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or NHTSA, um, believe it or not, has been a little bit evasive about what they feel about this, about why they haven't really pressed for pedestrian safety standards in in modern cars. Absolutely. And the closest thing we have to an official line regarding that is that the mix of cars on U.S. interstates or roadways isn't as – easily fixed with a one-size-fits-all sort of solution or mandate. And to me, Scott, this argument does have some sand to it. Yeah, I guess so. We have more trucks. We have more SUVs. We have more, um, uh, I guess, larger vehicles, uh, you know, sharing space alongside smaller vehicles, where in Europe it seems to be that, you know, those are those tend to be more of the uh, the commercial vehicles. Right. So one of the arguments is that Let's say we had these sorts of safety requirements on a pickup that sits higher than the average sedan. Mm-hmm. So let's just say F-150. Okay. Most popular by a long shot. Oh, yeah. Uh, so their argument at the NHTSA is that you could make some mandates that would make the F-150 less lethal to a child in the street – but that might make it more dangerous for an adult in the street. Hmm, okay. So maybe the solution then is just specificity on the category of vehicle. I don't know. Well, you know, we talked about this with the Honda Fit earlier, right? I right. mean, it's probably less deadly for a child to be struck by a Honda Fit at a slow speed than it is for a uh, you know a six and a half foot tall person or seven foot tall person to be struck by a Honda Fit at a slow speed. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna contact different parts of that car when they when they uh, through phase one of the of the uh, the crash, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's it that's what it's all it all comes down to that phase one, phase two, phase one again being the most fatal part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how do automakers play that balance? How do they how do they uh, make sure that it's safe for everybody 
and and not make it extremely deadly for some some other group. And can such a solution be possible? It's a question that no automaker has managed to no automaker and uh no incredibly smart handsome and somewhat funny uh auto podcasters have been able to answer <laughs> you know they they play around with these numbers all the time even with um you know like when when should they turn on the um on the passenger airbags you know like right. at what weight and you know what i mean they're getting pretty good at that but they have um you know these these standards that they have to adhere to like it's you know the the uh, i don't know what the Tenth percentile male and female, and they they take the average weight, and you know whatever the number is, it's something like that. They have to determine on average who is going to be in that car, and that's got to be incredibly hard for them to do. Yeah, that's pretty difficult stuff to say the least. Um, it's it's not one size fits all for anybody and on anything in any car, really, and unless we, you have a custom made. Yeah, and <laughs> we want to hear what you know. I was thinking of what a good question would be to ask everybody uh-huh. in this episode. And it's tangentially related. Let me tell, let me see what you think about this, Scott. Okay. Uh, we'd, we'd like to hear from you folks, friends and neighbors, fellow car fans. What do you think is the most, I guess, controversial change or trend that you've seen in auto design recently? Recently being the past, let's say, 15 years. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do you think is the coolest thing? What do you think is the worst thing? What do you think is like the strangest? Why is everyone doing it? Yeah. Type or of thing? do you know the reason behind a change? I mean, mm-hmm. that might be interesting too. I mean, a lot of this stuff is pedestrian safety, as we talked about. That changed a, a huge amount of, uh, um, exterior ornamentation on cars. I mean, it, right. it used to be that cars were, uh, they had a lot of stuff sticking off of them, you know, like, uh, protrusions, uh, you know, with, with, Chrome bumpers and and you know ornamental things, mm-hmm. those are all gone now. Cars are really slick, and it's not all about aerodynamics. It's also about pedestrian safety. So that's that's one example. But what else can you come up with? I mean, that's a great question, Ben. Like, what yeah. what else? What what's controversial? I guess we'd love to hear it. Also, I learned a new word while we were researching this. Oh, Scott. What's that? Are you ready? Pedestrians. Pedestrians. Yeah, like. Oh. Pedestrian with the word text inserted. Okay. These are the people who are texting while they're walking. Not looking. Across, you know, four lanes of traffic. Uh, oh, yeah. They just, uh, they're, they're, they're going on the fact that they know that that light is still green for them, so they're able to walk across that, that crosswalk, right? I mean, they're, they're not even putting their head up for a second. So, pedestrian, apparently, going back on our earlier conversation regarding jaywalking, yeah. pedestrian also comes from the auto industry. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> will there will there be a push? Will there be a campaign? Is there a conspiracy afoot? Yeah. Will the first lady come on television and, and talk about uh, pedestrians? <laughs> the the pedestrian menace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at least they're uh, at least they're moving past uh, jaywalkers. But yeah, we do want to know what you think about uh, auto design because it appears there's a lot more under the surface of every auto design decision, and the average car buyer is not going to know it. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, in the meantime, you can find Scott and I on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can check out every episode we've ever done on our website, carstuffshow.com. And you might be thinking, I know exactly what's going on with this weird auto design. Yes, I can tell you why so many minivans have a cartoonish number of cup holders. But how do I get in touch with you guys? Well, the answer is simple, my friends. You can write to us directly. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com.
For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.